are listening to Token Talks, brought to you by Wing Venture Capital. I'm your host, Zach DeWitt. The big vision is allowing individuals to own back their information and self-custody, trade, interact, assert things about their financial status, and basically move the source of truth from big trusted parties back to the end users. And we also understand that in order to achieve this grand vision, it's a very long process, and we need a very vibrant developer community to enable that. Today, we're joined by Erli Kolodny and Eli Ben-Sesson, co-founders of Starkware. I believe Starkware could prove to be one of the most important companies in the blockchain space. Starkware solves the inherent problems of blockchains, scalability, and privacy. Prior to founding Starkware, two of the co-founders were founding scientists at Zcash, the privacy-protecting digital currency. The team has developed a full-proof stack using Stark technology to generate and verify proofs of computational integrity. Starkware has developed cryptographic proofs that are zero-knowledge, succinct, transparent, and post-quantum secure. Zero-knowledge proofs are important because they allow anyone to prove with absolute certainty that they ran some known function correctly on some piece of data without actually revealing anything about that data. The math behind these proofs is mind-boggling, but these proofs allow for blockchains to become both more scalable, secure, and private. There are many applications for these proofs, including in exchange and payment use cases. I think you will greatly enjoy today's episode. Welcome to Token Talks. Uh, very grateful to have you both on today, and uh, maybe we can start with introductions. Yeah, hi, uh, I'm Eli Ben Sasson. I'm a co-founder and uh, chief scientist at uh, Starkware, one of four co-founders who we will introduce himself. The other two are Michael Iabtsev, who's chief architect, and Alessandro Chiesa, who's uh, also chief scientist. We have one in the East, that's me, and one in the West, that's uh, Alessandro. Hi, I'm uh, Uri Kolodny. I'm a co-founder and uh, CEO here at Starkware. Happy to be on the podcast. And what were you both doing before crypto? That certainly uh, means different things given your involvement with, with Zcash. I was doing research. I'm a professor at Technium, Israel Institute of Technology. I've been there since 2005, and I've been doing research that only very late in my career did I realize that it's related to cryptography and blockchains. But in previous things that I did, I was involved in Zcash. I'm one of the co-authors of the Zero Cash paper, along with uh, Alessandro, my co-founder. And we're also both of us uh, founding scientists of the Zcash company. Prior to uh, Starkware, I, I've been an entrepreneur basically since uh, 2000 in different uh, fields. Optical communications, medical devices, uh, software. And now, jumped down the, the rabbit hole and have been in the blockchain space since uh, late 2017. Well, the entire blockchain space is very excited and grateful that Starkware exists. Uh, we'll talk about why that is, but would love to understand a little bit about what brought you both into the space. I had a very weird path that brought me, you know, I'd say uh, blockchain uh, found me or like that I wasn't aware that the stuff I was doing was related to blockchain. I started my research on very theoretical stuff, uh, math related to probabilistically checkable proofs, which are these beautiful mathematical objects. But slowly over a course of several years, I 
got drawn into implementing things based on them. This led to various forms of zero-knowledge proofs. Then, for me, the Eureka moment was in 2013 at the Bitcoin conference in San Jose that I it dawned on me that actually this very theoretical stuff that we've been doing, and this is, again, also with uh, Alessandro, our other co-founder, is extremely relevant to blockchains, which led to focusing even more on that space and also the work that I also did, not just with Alessandro, but also with uh, Michael Riapce, our other co-founder, was about more efficient cryptography that can be used also in blockchains. My path was actually a, a much simpler one. Eddie and I have known one another for uh, actually over 30 years now. So my path was trust-based. Eddie said, this is very cool stuff. You should come do this with me. And so that was basically it. So Uri was my business mentor for ever since we've known each other, I think, or at least for many, many years. And we always talked about stuff, but at some point we sort of thought that uh, talking is not enough, that we need to do something. Great. And let's talk about what Starkware is. So you guys came together to work on this really ambitious technical project. So how would you describe Starkware and how would you describe some of the problems that Starkware is addressing? Starkware is trying to address the two problems of, first of scalability, then also of privacy over blockchains in a very transparent way that fits the um, ethos of uh, blockchains. That's what Starkware is trying to do, solve scalability and privacy on blockchains in a transparent way with no trusted setups and no hidden factors or anything in the most uh, blockchain-compatible way. And I would add to that that we're trying to do this as a technology provider without necessarily minting our own token and creating yet another blockchain vying to be the umpteenth internet money, but rather providing our technology as a layer two initially, potentially later on at layer one to the ecosystem. So maybe we could walk through a use case or a sample to see how Starkware could work in practice. I think the simplest uh, use case would be uh, Stark Exchange, which is the product that we uh, hope to have live on mainnet before year's end. And this would be our scalability engine for exchanges. The basic concept is a very simple one. An exchange would create batches of uh, trades. They, of course, they handle the customer, they handle KYC and AML and that whole stuff. And they send us on the back end batches of trades which we essentially compress. And so we compute proofs attesting to the integrity of these batches of trades. And the only thing we send back to the blockchain is that Stark proof. That Stark proof can then be verified on chain by uh, anyone who's interested in doing so. The Stark exchange is a great example of how uh, Starkware can really help with the scalability and privacy properties of a transaction. What other applications do you think you can apply Starkware to uh, beyond exchange of currency as well? You know, we think that they can help with layer one scalability, and uh, we think they can help with uh, speeding up uh, payments. Uh, later down the line, we think they can help with uh, ensuring fair trading, uh, things related to dark pools. And further down the line, we believe that the community should have tools to sort of build uh, what it needs and we'll support that and, and see where the world wants this thing to go to. 
If I may add, I, I think one uh, sort of abstraction that one could think of in this context is to say that the two scarce resources on blockchains are compute and storage. And both of these things could be taken off-chain and using start proofs, one could allow these to be conducted off-chain and to verify that they were done with fairness, with integrity on-chain. So that's at the heart of the scalability solution. If I'm a layer one chain, do I approach Starkware as a software vendor and you work together to figure out a solution where you can help me make my platform more scalable? Or can Starkware just choose which customers to work with and, and kind of actively insert themselves into the layer one? Like, What is the protocol for how you engage with Starkware? So the, the simplest thing we're trying to do, and, and that's our initial approach into the marketplace, is to actually participate as a layer two solution. The requirements that that poses to uh, the blockchain are actually rather limited. Ethereum satisfied these to begin with, and now with EIP-2028, which we're very proud to have shepherded through the consensus uh, process and is now, uh, or I would say the social consensus process, and is now about to be included in the uh, upcoming Istanbul hard fork that's scheduled for around October, if I'm not mistaken. This would allow a verification of stock proofs to be done with even uh, lower gas cost. So the only requirement that we have on a blockchain in order to operate as a layer two solution would be that start proofs can be verified on the blockchain. That's sort of obvious and, and available on Ethereum. That's not generally uh, applicable, unfortunately. So, for example, uh, on Bitcoin, at the present time, one cannot verify start proofs. Uh, not a, lo- a lot of primitives that are missing, cryptographic primitives, but it's still <coughs> not within reach at the moment. Uh, so once those capabilities are available on the blockchain, the ability to verify Stark proofs, we can operate as a layer two solution without reaching that social consensus that is required in order to integrate Starks at layer one. This is not to preclude us from, in fact, being integrated as layer one, but we haven't uh, seen that sort of manifest itself just yet. And where that will happen first, whether it's going to be on Ethereum or some other blockchain, time will tell. Yeah, I want to add to that. You know, we're in very good contact with a lot of, uh, you know, the leading um, projects in this space, and we have very open discussions with them. Each one of these projects, because they're decentralized, you know, large community-serving projects, have their own um, intricate governance and progress measures and means, and we're trying to work and talk with a different one. So as we mentioned, the EAP 2028 is a successful attempt at influencing something that, that matters to um, you know, one of the main chains. And generally speaking, uh, we, we, to integrate uh, Starks into Layer 1, we, we, we understand this is a sort of a long-term project that communities need to uh, agree on, and we have time to wait for that. In the meantime, we're deploying a bunch of stuff on Layer 2 for any blockchain that supports that and has meaningful uh, business to conduct. So I'd love to understand a little bit more about the Stark Exchange and just to hear how it'll work, basically what the status quo is before uh, Starkware comes in and then uh, what Starkware enables you to do from a trading standpoint. If you want non-custodial trading or self-custodial trading, meaning that the various traders maintain custody throughout all of the trade process. Currently, the way to do it over Ethereum 
is to submit the trades that are settled on chain. And because this settlement process involves checking signatures and all kinds of other stuff and accessing storage, it turns out that each settlement costs a lot of gas. And because of this huge gas cost, the TPS, the trades that can be settled per second on Ethereum is limited to something like three. And this would happen even if all of Ethereum's bandwidth went towards settlement. What we do is break this uh, barrier of three trades per second. And we have already demonstrated that we can go up to 550 trades per second. And actually, we can go up even higher. And the way this is done is that instead of submitting each and every settlement to the main chain, what we do is batch them together, supply a proof that is exponentially smaller than the uh, you know amount of computation involved in each one of these trades. And what you have on-chain is only a verifier that checks the validity of the proof, and thereby you can sort of you know settle 1,000 or 8,000 trades in one transaction, which is impossible in Ethereum. If you can have a more scalable DEX and also have non-custodial trading, I think that is invaluable. And that is certainly a big promise from the space and something that if Starkware can enable, uh, will create a lot of value and attract a lot of users. Yeah, we plan to do so. What is Starkware's business model? So our business model is rather straightforward uh, as a layer two solution. We offer a compression service to exchanges or to payment processors. They send us batches of uh, trades or payments. Uh, we compress those and we charge a fee per batch. So we talked about a lot of the near-term potential for Starkware as a layer two solution. Um, there may be uh, some opportunities to be a layer one solution going forward. But what is the big vision for Starkware over the next decade? So I'd say the big vision is allowing individuals to own back their information and self-custody, trade, interact, assert things about their financial status, and basically move the source of truth from big trusted parties back to the end users. And we also understand that in order to achieve this grand vision, it's a very long process, and we need a very vibrant developer community to build a whole host of tools to enable that. And we want that to happen and help it happen. How do you think about the competitive moat here? I mean, obviously, your team is... A lot of team members come from the academic world and are incredibly credentialized and thought leaders in their, in their respective domains. So the team is, is world-class, and that can offer a really deep competitive technology mode. Do you see anyone else coming into the space to compete with you, or is this, is this a greenfield opportunity for Starkware? We have no doubt that if the opportunity is ex- as exciting as we think it is, others will come in and compete, say, in the market for proof generation. We welcome that. Uh, of course, the basic research on which the company is founded was published uh, out of Ellie's group at Technion a couple of years ago, and we look forward to uh, other teams pushing the envelope on the technology front and the science front. So in that regard, we welcome uh, this development, and we think that if the space is to grow and prosper, this is really necessary. I think it's very important, both from the perspective of the ecosystem's ethos And just for business considerations, that there is a vibrant uh, set of competitors operating in this marketplace. The real competition at this point, as we see it, is actually not any 
particular uh, competing entity, but rather sort of the state of affairs in the world as it is today. And that is uh, just call it trust-based systems. In that regard, the main competitive threat to our business is that the world at some point will say, this is all very nice, but if we trust these trusted parties, be these the exchanges or uh, Facebook or whatnot, then, well, we're just fine with that. And the trade-off there is that we trust them and then we get immense scale and they actually we trust them not to betray our trust with confidential information and so on and so forth. Let's continue with things as they are. As we see it, that's the main threat to Star Wars business. So you guys are on the front lines in the crypto ecosystem and helping a lot of projects behind the scenes with their technical abilities and, and some of their scaling capabilities. But what's your assessment of the health of the crypto ecosystem right now? The ecosystem we're observing uh, most closely is the Ethereum ecosystem. And that ecosystem has been, I'm delighted to say, very vibrant throughout the crypto winter. Um, and so, you know, we got a chance to observe exciting stuff like the Uniswap uh, team coming essentially out of nowhere, building a beautiful system in, uh, in short order, on limited budget. So the rate of innovation and creativity is, is rather mind-blowing. Can you work with a project like Libra? We could work with any project. I think the bigger question would be this. You know, is Libra going to be a really decentralized blockchain that really needs the kind of capabilities that we have? And that remains to be answered. What I mean is the following. The conventional financial world today is very much trusted party based. And you are already putting so much trust in these parties that using our proof-based stuff that sort of removes the need for, for trust is not needed there because you trust the banks already. I mean, you must trust them for so much. Now, at the opposite corner, you have the decentralized blockchains like Ethereum and Bitcoin and others. And there... Really, you don't need to trust anything but uh, crypto and, you know, the economic incentives of, of the miners and things like that. And in that world, everyone understands that proof systems and like ours and Starks are extremely important for success. So Libra and similar projects, which are surely going to arise, are going to have to make their decision. Where do they stand? Are they more in the trusted party model? where you trust them with a lot of stuff and then they probably won't need things like Starks? Do they care about things like customer privacy, in which case they don't really need zero knowledge? Or are they going to be more transparent, decentralized, and accountable to the public, in which case if they want to do things at scale, they will need things like Starks and then we can certainly help and work with them. Yeah, no, I like the way you frame that. I think that's a good paradigm to to think about where Starkware can come in and be and be helpful. And it's also good to hear that there's a lot being built and the crypto winter is ending and we're moving back into crypto spring in terms of the number of projects that are launching and the number of new builds that are happening. Um, so that's also really encouraging to hear. What's keeping Starkware busy right now? What's next on your near-term priorities? So we want to meet real live customers as soon as possible and deploy things out there for real use. We already released our alpha that received a lot of good reviews and attention, but we want to do something that is actually used day by day by 
you know, customers, and we want it to reach mainnet and live customers this year. So we're working very, very hard to make that a reality. And, uh, you know, we're optimistically confident that we'll do it. Stay tuned. And how can our listeners follow the progress of Starkware if they want to be a customer or want to join the team or just generally want to follow your progress and a lot of your releases? So the easiest way to, uh, would be to follow our, our Twitter handle, which is Starkware LTD. And we uh, put out uh, blog posts on our Medium uh, on a pretty regular basis. Mid-September, there is, uh, we're conducting here in Tel Aviv, uh, Stark 101, which would be a workshop to teach people how to write Stark proofs. And then the following day, we're conducting Starkware sessions, which should be a very exciting event focused on scalability of uh, trading and payments with some, uh, we think, pretty strong lineup. Vitalik uh, is coming, and Arthur Brightman, and Balaji Srinivasan, and a whole bunch of other folks. And so uh, we'd love to meet people there as well. That's going to be an awesome event, and hopefully I can attend as well. Um, but I know it's getting a lot of good press so far. You know, one question, too, that I think our listeners will be curious is how would you explain what a Stark is, you know, to someone with a decent math background who's maybe a high school senior? Okay, let me give it a try. First of all, a Stark is a proof. So it's some mechanism that makes you confident that, that a statement is correct. So one image that you can have, and for this you don't need any background in math, would be that it's a little bit like a grocery receipt in that it convinces you that the total sum you should pay is, is correct, okay? But if you want to dive a bit deeper into the math and ask how could it be that this uh, very short proof that is exponentially shorter than the amount of computation it attests correctness to, how could it be that this magic works? So I think the, I mean, the analogy I like to give these days is that of uh, interrogation in a court of law. So when a person makes a statement, let's say, saying, giving an alibi, he would say, um, you know, I didn't commit a crime because I was in a different country on this day. Then what will happen is that there will be a short interrogation period with questions and answers. You know, where were you? Do you have a flight ticket to show us that you went there? What was the weather like there? So on and so forth. And what happens is that the reality, physical reality, is such that there are a lot of uh, redundant and uh, intricate interconnections between various aspects of reality. So if you don't, you know, if you haven't flown away to some other city, you wouldn't know what the weather was like there and your face wasn't captured on the security camera and the store next by the hotel you said you were at and so on and so forth. And this allows us to very quickly and succinctly check whether a statement is correct or false. Now, what we do with the Stark is we take a statement about computational reality, not the physical reality. Let's say that I processed a thousand trades and I checked all their signatures and all the orders and they all match up. And I updated an up, a database and I computed its new Merkle root and it's this new thing. So how, how would someone argue and convince you succinctly that such a large grand statement is correct. And the answer is we use um, error correcting codes in order to expand uh, this statement and, and make the analog of physical reality where a lot of uh, you know new local redundant interconnections will arise. And then we sample those interconnections and we check if they all sort of uh, match up and are consistent, just like in the example 
with uh, you know the court of law and the alibi. So just to summarize, what we do is we take a computational statement, we add a lot of redundancy to it so that there is a lot of uh, you know new interconnections that should appear there. And we do that using error correcting codes. And then we compress it using cryptography. Well said. There's a lot of math behind this. And I have actually, to prepare for this, watched many of your YouTube talks and read a lot of what Starkware's published. So I highly recommend if our listeners are interested in learning more about the technology powering Starks, uh, it's worth spending some time going through it because you guys do a great job uh, explaining it across various mediums. And it is a very powerful technology. I think that's what got us so excited about it. I think it's gotten a lot of the, the blockchain community so excited about the power of Starks. And you know, I guess one, one area that I'd love to discuss a little bit more is, is there another generation of Starks around the corner? And how is Starkware thinking about continuing to push the envelope with what's possible with these proofs? Yeah, we are constantly pushing the envelope. We have an amazing uh, team of uh, scientists and engineers that day by day continue to come up with brilliant solutions that make the prover faster, the verifier faster, the communication complexity shorter, extend drastically the scope of statements about computation that you can argue about in an efficient way and all the time just push the horizons of this technology. Stay tuned on this because uh, over the next few weeks and months, we'll be releasing more details as you know, this kind of science and technology matures and we have further improvements to share with the world. But yes, this will definitely, I mean, Starks are going to increase their capabilities and reach in the midterm future at some point be something that you can apply to any computation sort of out of the box in a very efficient and transparent way. What's the academic community doing around Starks? Are there still a lot of professors at Cornell and Berkeley that are pushing forward with Starks? Or have you guys been able to bring in in-house a lot of that talent to kind of concentrate the academic and research endeavors of, of moving and evolving Starks? We're definitely um, bringing in a lot of talent and working with uh, with them. We have a a stellar uh, you know, scientific advisory board, the two Nevalina Prize uh, winners among them, and uh, all of them brilliant uh, mathematicians and researchers. The broader community, it takes a little bit of time getting them to, I mean, the research community, it will take a little bit more time for them to move from things based on number theoretic assumptions and trusted setup assumptions that they are a little bit more familiar with to use these uh, newer concepts that, that are a bit more um, math-related. They rely on, on slightly different fields, interactive proofs and low-degree testing and things like that. But again, in the midterm, I think there'll be a, a lot more interest in this particular line of transparent uh, zero-knowledge proofs that are also scalable. So we're seeing uh, you know, a beginning of that, but it will take some time. I think one consideration that is worth talking about with Starkware is how your technology can actually expand the market opportunity. And, you know, similar to the same way that Uber expanded the total addressable market of, of taxis because they made it the product a lot faster and better to use for the consumer. I think Starkware has the same potential for a lot of these later one and particular two projects in that you can help with the usability, the scalability, the privacy, the trust all really important dimensions, which I think can take the whole ecosystem to another level. And I think that 
you know, something that Starkware has a lot of potential to continue to even just grow the, the total pie. We certainly hope so. We share that sentiment. Uh, we think that uh, this uh, stack that offers uh, a proper scalability solution and, and the proper privacy mechanisms without any uh, of the toxic waste that uh, people have been required to, to carry forward to date, uh, we think that these things uh, matter a lot and that uh, once uh, the building blocks are in place, then uh, numerous DAP developers are going to step forward and various uh, parties who are now relying on trust like centralized exchanges, would be able to offer trustless systems. And in that sense, finally, uh, truly reach that uh, holy grail of permissionless blockchains. What are some other projects that you're both excited about in the crypto ecosystem today? I mean, obviously, you know, these partnerships are so important. So as you grow, um, you're going to help other protocols grow. And, you know, just love to hear about some of the other projects that you're excited about. And, you know, may- maybe those are partners, maybe they aren't. Uh, one one project which I I just find fascinating is uh, MakerDAO, of course, uh, the algorithmically uh, defined stablecoin, and now with their uh, multi-collateral die, I just find the whole thing very beautiful from an intellectual perspective. And of course, they've captured a remarkable percentage of value captured in uh, DeFi to date. Uh, so we're watching that uh, very closely, and uh, hope to be working with them uh, sooner rather than later. I'll add to that, uh, we really like uh, Uniswap that, you know, with a very, at least initially, very small manpower made a very, uh, you know, long stride, which is great. Loom is another very uh, good uh, DAP, decentralized identity that we really like. But there's, you know, an abundance of them. And just I want to add to that, that uh, one sort of set of, I would call it category of players or this is in the context of the general blurring of the line between decentralized exchanges and centralized exchanges. And I think that that space in between is only now starting to be fully explored. And there are some very interesting uh, opportunities in that design space. Agree. No, I think that's well said. As we look to the next year or two in crypto, what are going to be some of the big catalysts that that really push a market forward? I mean, obviously, one of them is is potentially Starkware and um, how you're going to help uh, the scalability concerns with a lot of important projects. Um, but what are some other catalysts that you guys are looking to? I think one of the biggest catalysts is already you know out there. It's an obvious one is uh, you know Libra and its effect. So. No one knows what will end up with Libra, but this sort of uh, this very bold move would probably have other followers among other very big, big, big companies that would uh, you know explore this thing. Another catalyst that I think uh, could be uh, very important. Well, actually, two of them. One is is uh, some regulatory uh, clarity. I think would be most welcome on, on numerous fronts. I think that's holding back a lot of the investment. And a lot of teams are busy sort of uh, thinking through these issues instead of of building something that's coherent and useful. Another uh, force that I think can push the whole ecosystem forward is sort of broad-based tokenization of various assets. And we're only starting to see the very first hints of that, say, with the Fundament's uh, effort in Europe, the tokenization of about a quarter of a billion dollars worth of German real estate. But I think that these assets Coming online as ERC-20 tokens, the impact could be very profound. Yeah, well said. I mean, there's been a lot of projects which are helping tokenize real assets. 
And that's a really good tailwind. I mean, even driving from San Francisco down to Palo Alto yesterday on the 101, there's a billboard that's advertising for provenance, uh, which is Mike Cagney, the former founder of SoFi's blockchain, which is putting a lot of syndicated loans on the blockchain, right? So this is starting to become mainstream. And then I think two billboards down from that is actually the Blockstream billboard. So it's great to see projects reaching this scale, you know, starting to reach consumers directly. And I think Starkware can play a big role in, in helping all of these projects behind the scenes. Hopefully. The key takeaways from today's episode are, one, Starkware is building a foolproof stack that allows blockchains to be more scalable, secure, and private. Two, there are many applications for this technology, including allowing users to trade their digital assets on centralized exchanges from a non-custodial wallet. And three, the Starkware team is world-class and their technology could prove to be one of the most important innovations in the blockchain space. Thank you for listening to the show. We're trying to make the crypto ecosystem more mainstream and welcoming. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star review in iTunes and share this with one person you know who is trying to learn more about crypto technology. You can reach me on Twitter at Zachary DeWitt or email me at Zach at wing.vc. Thank you.